The Fed issues a word of caution after what it calls a rate hike skip, plus summer travel may get a little crowded, and why student loan repayments may be bad news for certain retailers. Your market moment starts now. Welcome to the mar- Market Moment. This is Matt here with Eli and John. Guys, how are we doing? Excellent. Great. Good. Yeah, good weekend. And didn't do didn't do very much. We're about to renovate our kitchen, so it was just getting stuff prepped and ready to to start start the renovations. Yeah, that's sounds horrible. Yeah. John, my in-laws are in town. So <laughs> That also it's sounds been horrible. A great weekend. <laughs> no, all serious. They're great. It's all good. I had a wedding this weekend. And, my should, niece. and should now listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. They, they don't know about the podcast yet. I'm going to wait until the next <laughs> yeah. one. No, it's all good. So, it was good a great weekend. weekend. Great weekend. Yeah. Weather was nice. Yesterday was like, we were out yesterday afternoon. It was kind of cool, like wind. I was like, man, this is mm-hmm. money. Great weather for sure. Great weather. So, big week last week. Mm-hmm. Have a lot to talk about. The Federal Reserve did what most expected last week and left its interest rates unchanged. Powell referred to it as a skip. This follows 10 straight rate increases. Fed is clearly signaling that more rate hikes are coming, most likely before the end of the year. Powell says all of the conditions they'd like to see are currently in place, but it'll take some time to actually bring inflation down. And he also goes on to say that a couple rate cuts are probably a couple years out. So, guys, it wasn't long ago the market kind of still is but like was predicting a rate cut before the end of the mm-hmm. year right now you heard a lot of people talking about that that appears to be off the table as of now unless new data comes out that could really change things thoughts on what happened last week with the rate skip we talked about it last monday um what's your initial thoughts personally i don't think what we just read and what we're going over is is going to play out the way that we just read it Jerome Powell is mentioning saying that he's going to raise rates possibly at the end of this year, not looking at cuts for the next one to two years. And I, I could get on board with the not looking at cuts for the next one to two years, but I, I really don't think we're going to get to the end of this year and Jerome Powell is going to want to raise rates anymore. So you he, think that so there's going to be data that comes out yes. between now and then that will keep them from raising rates? Yes, and, and the reason that I say that is inflation is coming down. We're going to talk about it more today. Inflation is coming down. As long as inflation is continuing to come down, core and CPI, as long as both are going down, I don't think Jerome Powell is going to look at that and say, we need to keep the, the gas down and raise and continue to raise rates. Yeah. The, I mean, the hard part with that is this, and we've talked about it in the past, why 2% is the number, but they're tech, I mean, technically inflation is still twice what their target is, right? It came in at 4% right. this last month. So to your, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the counter argument to that, because I don't think you, you could very well be right, is... And predicting the Fed is... Even though it's coming down, it's like technically we're still a little ways away from what their target is, mm-hmm. right? John? Right, we're a long ways away from their target, and yeah. I'm not sure how long it's going to take us to get there. <clears throat> I think you go back at the beginning of this year, if you go back several years and look at what the Fed said they were going to do and what they ended up doing, it's completely off the mm-hmm, mark, right? Yeah. Is the predicting what they're going to do, to Eli's point, is pretty much, I mean, it's impossible to know what they're going to do and actually see them follow through because every meeting they can change. Sure. You know, they can do whatever they want. I will say a couple of things that I noticed. I do think they are going to raise rates a quarter point next next month. Um, I do see that on the horizon, and I think Fed Chairman Powell 
basically told us that. And I'm looking at their, you know, the Fed um, council, you know, the, the guys they pull that talk about what their percentage yeah. of, of things. And mm-hmm. they had one point had some of them on their dot plot saying that they were going to raise rates by the end of this year. That mm-hmm. has totally gone away. They have 100% uh, voting that they are not going to do that, right? doesn't mean they you can't mean change cut their rates. Mind. Cut rates. Yeah. Cut rates. Right. So, so at one point, they thought they were going to push us into a recession, and then cut have rates. to cut rates. And mm-hmm. now they're seeing maybe a no recession or a soft landing, if you will. A resilient and, economy. Right, a resilient economy. And I'm all for that. I'm very much hopeful that that's the way it's going sure. to be. But I have warning signs out there that, that tell me – that it's not going to be that way. That's going to be tougher. And I think the Fed is going to raise rates a couple more times. I do not think the market is going to be favorable when they do that. You know, we saw the market rally after the Fed did not raise rates, right? Mm -hmm. We knew they weren't going to raise rates. That was the prediction going in. Mm -hmm. The the writing was on the wall that they weren't. I think if they did, it would have been a very bad day on the market. Sure. The fact they didn't, you know, it's kind of like this euphoria that might go away. So key is the, the inflation getting down to their target of 2%, which just seems almost, it almost seems impossible, and it will eventually get there, but it seems mm-hmm. it just seems so far away. But I'm looking at <clears throat> something that they did not ask in the Fed meeting. Nobody asked it. The Fed chairman never talks about it, but it's the measure of money supply, M2 measure of yeah. money. And I think that is a big stat that we are not talking about. We've had, I believe it's nine months in a row of, of uh, that dropping, um, and I think that's important. We're not, nobody's even mentioning that on, on uh, any of the broadcast I watch or at the actual meeting when they were asking questions. And I think they're kind of neglecting that. And that's a big part of this. Yeah. Uh, so there's a few things that I am not as bullish on. And I think there is going to be a pullback and it's, and I don't think inflation is going to get uh, taken care of as easily as maybe some of us are hoping. Sure. I am hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, as we I all want are. it to yeah. be, I and want we it to talk, all work out. And I we talked a little bit about M2 money supply last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll we maybe touch on it a little bit here um, in a minute. But, you know, I think a lot of this is potential just positioning by the Fed, right? I think from where we're at, they would rather say, hey, there's a chance for more rate cuts. And that's what people expect. And then they don't do it versus everyone expecting nothing and then they come in and rip right. the rug out right because that's just right the market the economy is not going to react well to that if they surprise people with a big rate cut rate mm-hmm. increase right and right. so um some of it may be positioning just setting setting everyone out up for kind of worst case scenario but the two percent not to get stuck on this but it just drives me nuts like yeah, how they've got too. stuck on this <laughs> yeah, yeah you look at the last before before this last couple of years, higher inflation, you know, the 10-year average was like 1.85. Mm-hmm. You know, the 100-plus-year average is like 3.27. Where did we get 2%? And why <laughs> is it, agree. you know, it's like a historical low kind right. of for inflation. And the fact that we set that as our target and that we're going to, you know, it just, it seems, I think they need to address that before they do anything too extreme. A small prediction. I think they will at some point. Yeah. I think at some point we're going to say, oh, 3% percent's our new I was, where we want to be. That's exactly what I was thinking yeah. in the back of my mind is maybe just in the middle of next year, we're sitting around 3% inflation and we just decide that that's a good, that's a <laughs> well, good that's, number. That's good I think enough. a lot of people <laughs> would appreciate if there was yeah. something, there was some, if they had an explanation to how they got to 2%. Right. If they said, hey, we're going to use three or three and a half, they could easily say like, this is what the long-term average has been. So that's where we're going to try to keep things. 
right. the fact that they have 2%, I've never heard a good explanation for why that is the number. No doubt. And so it's just a little frustrating that like you're, you're going to keep going, mm-hmm. keep increasing rates until you get us to this number that really means nothing to nobody except for <laughs> no. people that just made it up. I right? know. And I so know. if anyone out there is an economics doctorate and wants to help us fully yeah, understand maybe there where is they a good came up with the 2% target I know. inflation. I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't understand that at all. I also think the good news about all this, though, <clears throat> we talk about all this stuff. We had record number of hikes, right, so for yeah. the last year plus. That is coming to an end at some point mm-hmm. soon. And I think the markets see that as a positive sign, obviously. Mm-hmm. So at some point, even though this little quarter point in July potentially, you know, maybe a quarter point in August or September mm-hmm. potentially, even if they do that, it's really not, to me, I don't, it doesn't move the needle that much. The market might have already priced it in. Mm-hmm. Eli is an optimist. I'm a little more pessimistic, and I've never been pessimistic. It makes me mad. I wish I was like Eli. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm hoping to get there. But I, but I look at it like, okay, we are um, – COVID was – never happened to us ever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the first time in history. We did a lot of things that we're going to look back and, and say that we did wrong from sure. all kinds of different mm-hmm. ways. Different things that we did from school children to on and on. And part of that is what the Fed, how the Fed reacted and how our economy, uh, you know, is it going to just come back like this and everything's going to be fine? We can raise rates historically fast and, and, and then we can have the M2 measure of money supply get out of hand and then start to decline. And can we do all these things without any repercussions with the economy just smoothly going through it? And that's where my pessimistic side comes yeah. in. Yeah, it sounds too good to be true. It sounds too good to be true. It's I'm, not impossible. It's not I mean, impossible. It could be. It could, it could work. It could happen, absolutely. But it does sound like... The stars have to align for all of this to be unwound without some yeah. something happening. You yeah. know? But the, the good news for us, that this incredible place that we work at, <clears throat> is that we can take our clients, walk them through all these scenarios, protect them through whatever happens, still continue to be part of the economy, part of the market, um, while taking the least amount of risk possible to sure. achieve the goals of our clients. Yeah. So this stuff is important. We know this stuff. But ultimately, do we really? Do I really care where what the Fed does? I mean, I do. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we can navigate our clients through this. It's not a big deal. Well, the the, the one pot, the one known thing about the market is there will all, always be periods of uncertainty, right? right? I mean, there's never going to be this this time where we just go, hey, there's there's no everything's certain. There's no risk out there. There's like you can if you're an investor, like you always know there's going to be something that's uncertain, some kind of risk that now it seems to be a little bit more known because of what we've done and what we're trying to undo. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe the stars will align. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Right? I'm so very hopeful. despite all the word of caution from the Fed, investors seem to be feeling fairly positive at the end of last week. Mm-hmm. S&P had its fifth positive week in a row, the first such streak since November of 21. So going back quite a ways, uh, consumer inflation expectations fell in June. This uh, consumer assumptions for one year dropped from 4.2 to 3.3. So, you know, people's expectations moving forward is that inflation is going to continue to decline. So let's hope that proves to be true. Jumping straight from, I think this is a, a good time to jump into the um, student loan repayments, because this is what we touched on last week with the M2 money supply and maybe some pressure that the market's going to feel later this year. So student loan repayments are set to resume next month, and that could cause some (laughs) issues for retailers. So loan repayments have been on pause since the pandemic. The Biden administration agreed not to extend pause as part of the bipartisan debt ceiling deal. 
Uh, payments will resume August 30th. Average monthly payment is between two and 300 per person. Altogether, mm-hmm. borrowers will be paying about 10 billion per month. One of the com- most common cutbacks is sp- on spending is apparel. So brands like Target, American Eagle, Nordstrom, Nike, and Steve Madden could take a hit. So those are just some names to throw out there. Um, man, that's the last thing Target needs right now. <laughs> but <laughs> no but this, we were talking about this last week on some pressures that we see coming ahead for the market with the M2 money supply. You know, mm-hmm. So we listened to <clears throat> Brian Westbury talking about right. you know, there's been $5.4 trillion of new M2 money supply created basically over the last few years. 4.9 of which some out of thin air yeah, yeah 4.9 of which has has been absorbed or you know built into gdp growth right. so there's about 500 billion that's left out there that we're kind of waiting to be work its way through the system right. right and so as that's coming to an end and you start to have student loan repayments that have mm-hmm. to be made this is in my opinion the first time in you know 3 3 and a half years where the consumers really going to be tested from a cash flow money management perspective of you know prioritizing expenses mm-hmm. and not just spending freely yeah we're, we're getting back to the point where people who graduated college from 2018 2019 who have never had to make a student loan payment 2019 and on right we're just going to see can they budget right that answer almost always is no yeah. Uh, especially for people that are just out of college. Right. They've been earning money that they haven't been having to pay student loans out of. It's going to be a difficult scenario. Inflation's been pushing balance sheets. We've seen credit card debt already be rising. Right. So this is, mm-hmm. especially for, and I, I laugh at your joke on Target, because a lot of the millennials, Gen Z, Target is their yeah, main place that they shop. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be watching as, but I, I definitely think that it's going to be difficult for young people that haven't been paying it, that aren't used to five, ten percent of their income going to student loans to exactly to start paying again. <clears throat> I think you're 100 percent right. And you know, we talk about the Fed and all these higher level things that most people, honestly, my clients fall asleep when I talk yeah. to them about it. <laughs> so, I mean, most people don't. But the the key to market success is corporate profits. Yeah. Right. Sure. So if you start seeing less money available to buy things, mm-hmm. of course, that's going to lead to less corporate profits. I do think that might be the next thing that starts that maybe a little down cycle. I mean, the unwinding of COVID still is not, in my opinion, hit the markets yet. But that part where we're going to, and you get to think about that, the M2 measure of money and the amount of money we were, we were giving out without production. Right. It's gone, right? I mean, that's basically over. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, a new debt problem. I mean, ten billion a month. That's kind of hard to fathom at only two to three hundred dollars a month per per person average. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe how many people are going to be Making paying. Payments, yeah. So, how much are actually going to be paying? That's the next <laughs> question. But you know, that's that's a lot of money out of circulation, out mm-hmm. of going towards, like you said, to these retailers. Yeah. And I mean, and, earnings yeah. have held up really well. That's kind right. of been the spectac- spectacular part of the market thus far. Has been, you know, there's been. Um, there's been pressure on the price of stocks, but earnings have held up really well, right? Yeah, surprisingly so well, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to, I think, later this year, early next year, probably see more of an impact. Um, if we don't, it'll be surprising. But I think things will start coming together where we should see, you know, companies' um, earnings starting to take a hit. Which, you know, it, which I will say, using the word, it will be surprising. The last six months has been surprising, I think, to just about everyone. 
that's yeah. been invested. Sure. So we've we've already had the beginning of a surprising right. Market. I agree. <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. So um, a lot a lot to still take place as we go into the back half of this year. Um, one interesting thing, if you're planning on traveling this summer, so let's talk about summer travel. You may find the airports a little more crowded than they've been in the past few years. Memorial Day weekend set a new record with 9.78 million air travelers. That's more than in 2019. So that's pre-COVID, more than in 2019. 2023 is the first full year of no COVID restrictions, and global air travel volume is expected to be near 2019 pre-pandemic levels. Wow. So that's all positive, right? People are out there traveling, spending. Um, I think we're coming to an end of, you know, we had a boom in travel there for a while because so many people had vacations canceled or sure. put on hold. And yep. so that made sense. Yep. It doesn't feel quite as crazy now, mm -hmm. but um, apparently the numbers show that people are still out and about and wanting to take trips. Yeah, I think so. It's that, it's that uh, you're cooped up for two years, can't do anything. We've got freedom. We've got money sitting mm -hmm. in the bank as it's going down. No, the yeah. M2 measurement. Yeah. <laughs> it's going towards cruises. We have less money than we did last month. We <laughs> have less money, yeah. But it's kind of, uh, uh, it's everybody's, uh, you know, wound up ready to get out and yeah. do something finally, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I can tell you, my son graduated high school in 2020 and did not have a graduation, right, because of COVID. Went to college his first year, didn't have college because of COVID, right? My younger son just graduated high school, and the, the difference between the two, and it's just three years apart is unbelievable. But you think about all that frustration for the two years of 20 and 21 that we all felt from young people to old, we're, we're out there trying to get it off our, our chest, right? Yeah, yeah. And it could be a, the concern is maybe that, you know, we, we go out there, we go crazy, then we run out of money <laughs> and then we, it well, slows down. No, right? that's, and, and we've talked a, about that on previous podcasts, how the, you know, America, we're such a consumer driven economy. People want to spend money. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And we're very comfortable spending money that we maybe don't have. And so exactly. habits that were formed during COVID when you had more cash in your pocket are not easy habits no. for most people to give up when that money dries up, right? right? And so typically right. where you start to see that is in consumer debt starting mm -hmm. to increase. And so yeah. there will be this point, this inflection point where some of this kind of comes to a head and people have to make the hard decisions of, hey, I'm gonna start cutting back on some of these subscription services yeah. that I right. signed up for. And I, so, I call know. it lifestyle retracing. Lifestyle retracing is incredibly difficult. Sure. Even you start sending your kid to private school. And now you can't afford it, right? Are you going to retrace that? Yeah, you, exactly. You sign up for a golf membership, five hundred dollars a month. Are you going to retrace that and no longer and lose? The answer the, is no. Quote, he quote, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go across the board, and it's it is extremely difficult. Um, and you know, now rates are higher too. So that consumer debt, you know, you look at rates on credit cards mm -hmm. and stuff. I mean, they're they're at you know highs relative to where they've been. Twenty plus percent. In, yeah, um, and so. It's gonna, it's, it's going to come to a head at some point from the consumer's perspective of people don't have quite as much money in their pocket, um, and they've got to make decisions mm -hmm. on lifestyle retracing, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I like that term. So, um, any any parting thoughts as we kind of wrap up the conversation today? No, after sitting here with Eli and I'm sitting next to Matt, and his phone keeps kind of lighting up, and his wife is on there. I know Matt is overachieved his whole life, <laughs> and I'm really proud to be next to him. <laughs> You can edit that. Well, 
Haley, Haley, I don't know if Haley watches the podcast. But, so. Well, and if Eli is Mr. Optimistic, and he's going to change my attitude. So it's all good. I'm glad to be here. because John's I'm, leaving today so much more optimistic. I'm, I'm more optimistic positive. than I've been in a long time. But I yeah. don't disagree with anything that has been said. And I, my, my concerns are still there, but they are wilting away, which is probably – a reason to do exactly what I was scared about. Before. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. And, well, like I said earlier, there's always risks out there. It's no different today, right? We have mm-hmm. risks. We know what some of those risks risks are, and there'll probably be things that happen over the next six to 12 months that we aren't even talking about today. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's normal. And I think the important part for all the listeners, for anyone that, that is invested planning, 90% of the risks that we're talking about, can be covered with good financial planning. Just making right. sure that you're exactly. taking the right amount of risk is more important than listening to this podcast and making a knee-jerk reaction saying, oh, they're not fully bullish. Yeah, We're gonna go back into cash, no yeah. longer stay invested. No, take the right amount of risk that you right. need to meet your goals and, and stay the course. And, sleep and, easy. And stay the course, yeah. Sleep easy, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. good conversation today, guys. As always, we wanna end with a thought of the day. So this is from W. Clement Stone. Who's that? I have no idea. We got to start. I need to start looking at these before we go. <laughs> w. Clement Stone. So he said, I think it's a, I think it's a he. He's an American businessman. American businessman. W. Clement Stone. <laughs> Aim for the moon. If you miss, you may hit a star. So inspirational. Very As always, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on The Market Moment. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Rogers, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Third-party ratings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client, nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss, including the loss of principal. Actual account results may have been higher or lower than the results mentioned, depending on an individual's investment timing, cash movement, size of the account, and client restriction. Past performance is not indicative of future results. For full disclosures, please see mock-onefinancial.com disclosures.